We're live. Good evening, lunatics. It is Sunday, February 5th, 2023. We are here to bring you another exciting, fun-filled episode of the Blue Ribbon Podcast. We uh, sure are. We, uh, again, are brought to you by Pittsburgh Power. And we are stocking distributors of the Max Mileage Catalyst, OPS products. So if you talk to Pittsburgh Power, uh, let them know that you heard about them here. And they'll keep sending them a check. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the I noticed this week that an old, not old, about a month old YouTube short about you talking about Metro uh, and the 1.8 million miles on the engine has um, got spun up again. Oh yeah, and uh, and boy, you have got the natives riled up. Do I now? Oh yeah. Now, of course, about twenty five percent of the comments are stupid people that don't know you're talking about a big truck, and they're like, "My F one fifty. I'm like, yeah, "No, yeah. honey, just shh, shh." Uh, and they especially take uh, take exception with the fact that we said in there that we had replaced the the six heads. You know, uh, six like heads. Like I've never seen a yeah. truck yeah, with yeah, six yeah. heads. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, don't ever read the comments. Um, but I, you know, I, sometimes I have to, it's a sword I have to bear. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't, you, I, I'll let you handle that for me. Okay. So. Well, listen, if you had any faith in, le- uh, faith in humanity left, uh, it'll be gone. If you read through any comment section on any topic, doesn't really matter what it is. Uh, just read through and, uh, your faith in humanity will drop to negative 325. <laughs> um, well, you know, <coughs> um, well, I'm programming. Glad, I'm glad that it's entertaining for for somebody. <laughs> so, oh, it's entertaining as hell for me personally. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else. Uh, programming update. Um, I made a submission to the board uh, requesting Friday night podcasts because we did one on Friday night, and the fact that I got the Sunday evening and didn't have to do it was a very very joyous occasion for me. So uh, we're going to try out Friday nights at 8 p.m. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure everybody will be able to find us there. But we are going to henceforth move move the podcast to Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So I'm sure you guys can uh, (laughs) just seem good. I'm, I'm looking over at the comments. Y'all are already right, starting right, right off the bat. Right <laughs> off the bat, we got the trolls, okay? so <clears throat> Scott, can I get a better rate because I have a big sleeper? <laughs> Listen, Scott, he's playing. Uh, Scott's got a big, big house, you know. Uh, but God Almighty. I mean, it is whew, the last six weeks. Uh, has just been fascinating. And one of the other big, I don't know if it was a TikTok or a short, but it was you saying, you know, listen, over the next few months, about 25% of y'all are going out of business. And uh, uh, there's a bunch in there that are going, oh, my God, he's right. And the others are going, you know, uh, they're just wallowing in their stupidity. Um, but uh, so we don't really have a topic for tonight. We you know, that's and I'm think I'm hoping that Fridays might be a little better for that because by the time we get through the weekend, I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of out of topics. I think Friday night we're going to have a lot. We've we've chilled over the weekend, so we're not quite as as animated and agitated and uh, as we are on on Friday. So that 
we'll see how, what happens. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not just for our convenience. Uh, Chris did a little research, and our peak viewing time uh, is, is on Friday nights. So uh, we, we, we are, remember, we are in the customer service business here. So um, it's, it's not just for our benefit, but uh, hopefully we'll get uh, let more of you guys be able to tune in on Friday night. So. And, of course, it'll still be posted, and you can always listen to it as much as you want, anytime you want. So uh, we would like you to subscribe and like, though. That helps us a lot. Absolutely. You know, and uh, follow us and all that kind of stuff. We, we are going to be renewing some... Um, um, some sponsors here in a couple months, so we would like to kind of have uh, some re results to show them. Uh, speaking of which, we got another. We got a potential sponsor that we're are we talking to this week. Mm -hmm. um, so we get we get requests from time to time. Most of them we don't even bother to call because it's not something that really we would, you know, we would use, and we don't want to be. Um, snake oil salesman so we're not going to promote something we didn't that we don't use and those of you that don't know and go well you promote Pittsburgh Power I started using Pittsburgh Power stuff in 2009 so um, they became a customer or a sponsor of ours last year so it's not like we uh, it's not like a um, what, uh, yeah. what's, the, what's the what's the uh, we've been <coughs> mea, not, it's not a mea culpa you know yeah we, uh, we've been singing the praises of Pittsburgh Power and OPS long before um, but long before they wrote a check, yeah, well, um, and and st and we still do use. I mean, we we, we every truck that we have, uh, you know, or, or that we use from another owner, uh, we'll we'll have an OPS on it eventually. And anything we're d we're driving that has D uh, that's uh, EGR or later, um, we run the max mileage in. So it's not mm -hmm. like we don't, you know. Um, practice what we preach we probably need chris we probably need to have a little follow-up um uh, about the using the ops uh, the, you know how to how to get the benefits of it we, we've convinced a lot of people to use it but mm -hmm. i'm not sure that their sampling program and that sort of thing I, I i'm not sure that that everybody understands the best use of that so we probably ought to do that at some point in time put that on your list of things to do so we'll um you know, we'll we'll discuss the the advantages of of the sampling program and and uh, and how to maximize your return on investment uh, with that uh, with that product. You know, so. <coughs> um, well, we got a full house. We got Rocky in the house. Luke, hey, Luke, you need. S we were talking about you today. You need to send us an email. We have we have things to discuss. Um. So. <coughs> You want to hit? So I've got something I'm going to bring to the table. I can do it now. I can do it later. Um, or you, you want to hit some comments? See, see where we, see where we head. What do you You're want? the producer, man. I just sit here and do what you tell me to do. So. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this first. This is a little video uh, Zeke sent to me the other day. It was a TikTok. It's about two and a half minutes. Okay. But it's got some great information in it that I think is relative, relative, relevant both whatever uh it's relevant to kind of what we're doing here today so okay i'm gonna hit this button and hopefully this plays and has sound that was a truck driver using quick thinking and reflexes to i think save several lines
And this brings me to something that bugs me a lot about the discussion around self-driving cars and how we are just a few years away from having vehicles that you can just fall asleep behind the wheel and it'll drive itself. I think part of that belief is based on a very condescending view of what drivers actually do. I think it is partly people who work in tech saying, well, how hard can it be? Mere peasants drive vehicles all the time. If a mere taxi driver or truck driver can do the job, how hard can it be to program a machine to do it? It's not like the job requires creativity or improvisation on the fly. It's not like they constantly have to make decisions in which there is no clear right or wrong answer because it's based on what the other drivers are doing and situations in the environment that are changing moment to moment. They're not performing high-level thought like us up here in tech. They're mere drivers. Maybe I'm being unfair, but I've always felt the same way about the decades-old trope of the robot maid or nanny. Because, again, I've always felt like a lot of sci-fi authors in the past used to think, well, of course we'll have robotic maids in the future. It's just housework. How hard can it be? It's not like they are writers like us, a job that could never be automated. Hold on, I want to make it look like she's dusting my head for a moment. Meanwhile, in the real world, I think even the world's richest man could not buy a robot that just cooks his meals. And I'm talking about the way servants used to do it. The whole process, beginning to end, grocery shopping, cleaning out a menu, cooking, cleaning up the dishes, the whole thing. Like, I don't think a billion dollars gets you a machine that can do that whole thing beginning to end without constant input from a human. I don't even think we can make a laundry machine that does the other parts of laundry, collecting the clothes, sorting them, washing them, drying them, folding them, putting back where they go. See, I think that's the thing we're going to find out in the AI era is which jobs are actually hard and which ones can actually be automated. And some of the work that we used to really look down on, we're going to find out almost impossible for a machine to do it. And a lot of us who think we are irreplaceable. So <clears throat> I, I have long not been on the automated truck. Ooh, they're coming to take my job. Um, because of that, right? I never could articulate it that way. But if you think about the how the education system has worked over the last twenty or thirty years, it's been very, it's been very get a job or get a degree and then get a job and you'll be up here with us, the enlightened, and you won't be. Ooh, don't be a welder, don't be a truck driver, don't be a construction worker, don't, don't be an entrepreneur, don't be one of those people. Be up here with us. Well. There are people right now that are trying to get things like ChatGPT banned because they see it as a threat to writers and artists because these computers can write things. These computers can make animations. They can draw. They can make art. So this we have got to understand that being a lowly truck driver uh, involves a lot of creativity to keep from running over people with a 40-ton uh, truck. So I just, I just don't buy into this fear of, of, of being replaced. Now, what we are going to have to do 
desperately is we do have to get more machinists and welders and drivers and operators and people like that. Uh, we've got to get kids in, invo- interested and involved in the trades uh, because there's a bunch of older people that are not being replaced. There's there's nobody coming um, to take those places, and there's nobody learning how to take those places because people have been pushed in another direction by the education cartel. Go get, get a degree, get a degree, get a degree, 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 while you could go take a class that takes half as long, costs half as much, and you make twice as much money if you learn a trade. So that's my public service announcement for this week. Stop being afraid of things that aren't real, right? Um, there's been plenty of that in the news this week. Um, find value. Create value for others, you know, for f- find somebody that has a problem and go solve it. But, you know, don't get derailed by all of this stuff because those people, like he's talking about, those tech people, there's a bunch of them that do have that inflated sense of, uh, of you know, well, we're, we have all the answers and we we are the enlightened ones. And, and, and you, you rubes, you just need to shut up, you know. You, you just need to shut – well, I'm not shutting up. Sorry. You got anything to add to that? Well, I think there's going to be an attempt to do it. Uh, there, you know, there's too much money being invested, and there's too much um, – there are too many people that want it to work, and so there's going to be an attempt. Now, you know, the whether or not it's successful, you know, it's, it's a, we got a long way to find go to find out. But uh, I think I think there'll be a certain amount of it. You know, already there's they're doing point-to-point, you know, stuff. And there was just an article this week in one of those trucker magazines that I, that I get digitally – about what happens, wh- who's going to monitor a tire blowing out, and what happens when a tire blows out, you know, and things like that. So there's a lot of work that's got to be done in that. But listen, the 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 problem is, is that um, it's it's getting harder and harder and harder to find people to do this job, and mm-hmm. so uh, or do it for in the conditions and the pay that is offered. And so, um, you know, they, they they don't they don't, they feel like they don't have a choice. It's just like the, the now they have a robot that makes hamburgers at McDonald's. You know, <laughs> it sits there and flips burgers all day. You <laughs> couldn't see that coming. Doesn't doesn't have a, have a vacation and calling sick. I mean, that, you know, and, and of course already you have to go in the lobby and order your own stuff. You can't get anybody to, to take them, which is just as good because you have less chance of making a mistake ordering yourself than you do talking through the speaker. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I think I think there's there's too much uh, th- there's too many people that have too much to lose now because of investments that they've made in it. So we'll see. Um, but I agree. I mean, there, look, we we've been sold of you know on on the on the benefits of a college education, you know, and and again, the benefit to most to for most people, that, you know, the majority of people who go to college don't use the, the degree they get they got. All right. And so the benefit is they, they they pile up this huge debt, you know, and and it takes them years to get out from under it. That's that's the benefit. Who gets that benefit? You know. So anyway, follow the money. I can't hear you because I had myself muted. There you um, are. There you are. There was a great article a few years ago by Brad Keselowski, who's a NASCAR driver, um, who drove for Ford, uh, still drives for Ford, um, got to 
kind of go behind the scenes at Ford and see all the stuff they were working on. And uh, he he gives the example, you know, he's it's it's Christmas and they're driving to Grandma's house and and he's behind a log truck. Well, he sees one log up on top that's not secured like the rest of them are. And he said, my human eyes can look and see that happening. While these autonomous systems are amazing and, it, and what they can do is, is, is truly, I mean, it's really cool, but they're not going to react until it hits the ground in front of it, right? And so he said, you know, if you think about all of the infrastructure that it would take, the idea that, that these self-driving trucks and cars are going to be the rule and not the exception inside 50 years? No, not going to happen. Yes, they're and, – and, you know, let's realize, too, that without government subsidies, which is your money, by the way, being taken from you and put into all of this unnecessary innovation, um, nobody – nobody's going to come up with this at the level that they're coming. They might be playing with it. They might be trying it. They might be working on it. But the, the state is, is funneling, shoveling just truckloads of cash at this, trying to make it happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if we look back in five to ten years and go, hey, man, you remember that time they were doing all that aut autonomous truck stuff? Because it's – and, and I, I stand by my statement that – it's only going to take one of those autonomous trucks to run over a minivan and wipe out a family of five, and it's over. Like it's yeah, but, yeah, but we do that. But we do that now, and it's not finished. I mean, we do that every day, and it's not finished. You just you you just you learn to accept it. You know, it it sounds horrible, but we look. We, we truck drivers do that every day, and most of the time, they do it to each other because they can't get within six feet of each other without running into each other. So um, I think the answer. I think we found the answer this week. You can float freight across the country. Okay? I'm, Amazon's supposed to be trying it. I mean, if it's the size of three school buses and it floated across the country, let's just put a, a container under it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's hit some comments. <clears throat> Is it that bad of an idea to sign a contract with a carrier and have them pay for your CDL. Absolutely. I it's believe a it is contract. a bad a idea. Horrible idea. When you look <laughs> at the cost, which is what, five, $6,000? It um, depends on where, how you get it. I mean, you can go to one of these, one of these um, uh, community colleges and do yeah. like a semester. It's not, it's not that much, you know. But let, let's, yeah. let's, say, say, let's just pick the high end. Let's say $6,000, okay? I paid 6500 back All right. in 2007. All right, so you you a a a a working person should be capable of saving up six thousand dollars to pay for this class, and now it's yours, and you own it. And if you go to a carrier and you don't like it, you can leave. But if you actually read the contract, which a bunch of people found out with CRST a couple years ago, um, that I think didn't that go all the way to the Supreme Court. I think it, uh, did. it went through a bunch of appeals. It might have went to the Ninth Circuit. But anyway, I mean, they had non-competes. They were saying, oh, well, yeah, well, sure, you can leave, but you can't work for anybody. And then, of course, Swift is picking them up, giving them jobs, and then CRST suing Swift because, you know, uh, employee <coughs> poaching. Um, right. So absolutely. 
uh, in anything that is worth having is worth paying cash for. Um, and these these godforsaken publicly traded uh, carriers are bad enough. They're the front door. There's really no other way to come in. Uh, but the two big things, pay cash for your school and go somewhere that they are not going to stick you with an automatic transmission restriction on your license. If you'll, if you'll avoid those two things, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. They, they aren't giving you your CDL on the grace of heart. They expect something in return for that. They demand it. It's oh, yeah. contractually obligated to you. So your options go away. Um, and it's just like free agency in sports. I mean, you, you're, you're, if you go get your own CDL and pay for it yourself, you're a free agent. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Um, and you can also lo- shop around and, buy and find the best school. They're all not the same. Um, you'll find a school that will let you train on a manual transmission. You know, anybody can drive an automatic, but if that's all you learn on, then you can't drive a manual. And they'll put a restriction on you when you take your test, and you won't ever be able to drive a manual without having to go back to school again. So absolutely not. That's one of the, the, you know, I have a couple of things that that you're safe saying never do, because sometimes never is a hard word to eat, you know. (laughs) Uh, But that's, that's one of them. And the other one is never, ever, ever lease a truck from a company that's giving you freight course we we don't leave you should leave it lease a truck anyway but certainly right. don't lease one from a trucking company <coughs> next question antonio t what is the best way to make fifteen thousand gross at landstar well Work. is that a week a month a year and what does gross mean is, is that is that the the top rate before landstar takes a percentage or are you talking about after landstar's percentage um here here's what i here's what i can tell you Number one, you need to start with knowing your cost. What does it cost you to operate your truck? And uh, what kind of profit do you need in order to cover your personal expenses? And you add all that up and you divide that out. And that's how much you need to do every day. Ours right now is $1,450 gross before Landstar takes a percentage. $1,450 gross per day. Twenty-one seventy-five for a weekend load, uh, $8,000 a week gross. If we do that consistently every week, we get paid, the driver gets paid, the truck owner gets paid, everybody makes a profit, everybody's happy. Um, but you cannot ignore the market. Our daily minimum used to be 2000 and 10000 a week. Well, the market does not support that anymore. So all we would do is put a number up that we can't hit every week. So we lowered the rate because we because the market is different. And if the market shifts back up, we'll raise the number back up. But right now it's eight thousand bucks a week. So I mean, on average, that's going to be uh, fifty six hundred dollars a week to the truck. If you work fifty weeks, that's two hundred eighty thousand um, dollars. If you can't make it on that, two hundred eighty thousand dollars net. Uh, net revenue you got a big truck payment you know you got too many motorcycles you got too many girlfriends whatever it is but the market is what the market is you know that's that's how we set it up and i mean if we do two hundred eighty thousand dollars per truck um everybody's getting paid everybody's gonna be happy well let's let's talk about this fifteen thousand fifteen thousand times 52 weeks is seven hundred eighty thousand dollars Okay, um, there are very, 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 very few people in trucking 
making seven eighty thousand dollars a year. Now it, it can be done, I'm sure. I'm sure there are people that do it. But you ask the question, how do you do that Landstar? Well, you do that ex in Landstar exactly like you do anything else at Landstar. You have to come here. You have to develop the relationships with the agents who have that freight. You're probably going to have to specialize, okay? And you're probably going to have to work really, really hard to build up to the point where that's what you're making. Um, it, it's no different than people that come here and make no money. You know, it's because it's not because Landstar doesn't uh, give them the opportunity. They don't take advantage of it. They don't do what has to be done. Um, so I don't know where you get fifteen thousand. That's 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 not, you know, normal for uh, a, a general freight in a van, um, you know, uh, right now. But there again, don't 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 misconstrue what we do here. Okay, you know, you guys want to get on here and you want to talk about things that are outside of what our mar our market is to teach first time owner operators how to buy a truck and not go go in debt and not be bankrupt in two years and out of business. And so that nobody's going to make 15 grand a week in, 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 in the first year or two in business. So I, I don't have an answer for that other than the fact that, you know, it. There are, I'm sure there are people in trucking that make that. I, I don't know anything about it. I don't need to make that. I don't, wa I don't really want to make that. I don't, it, 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 I don't need to make that. Uh, and I don't have people that come here that are going to make that in the time that they're here. So I, I just don't think it's <coughs> relevant. Uh, better side of Kyla. What are the limitations of profit gauge versus lunatics Excel setup? Well, uh, that's two different things. Uh, Larry uses um, QuickBooks uh, to do accounting. Now, you can do profit gauges which is 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 better than nothing right um i mean you know the l lunatics excel setup i'm not sure exactly what that means um but uh we d we don't use excel for accounting um i use quickbooks i use quickbooks desktop version i don't use the online version um the difference is um if you're going to do your own accounting which i encourage you to do uh, profit gauges is a good place to start. It just has its limitations. And its limitations are it will provide you with a profit and loss statement, income versus expenses. It will not um, let you account for assets and liabilities. It will not produce a balance sheet. It's not full-fledged. You're still going to have to have an accountant that will prepare your books and put them on tax return. Okay? Uh, it's not a bad idea to do it. Because it gets you in the in the habit, and, and you it gets you a, a chance to look at your numbers and and analyze those, um, but it's a long way from accounting. Okay, um, but QuickBooks, on the other hand, is is full fledged double entry, um, access to the general ledger accounting. Uh, now the online version, I'm not crazy about because it makes you walk through these. You know, it's, it would be great for a store where you're going to create an invoice for somebody when you sell them something. You know, you're going to, you've got inventory you're going to manage, you've got payroll. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have that. You know, at Landstar, we have one customer, okay? We don't ever have to bill them. We don't ever have to send them an invoice. So a lot of the stuff that you have to go through to get to the job that you want to have done is not necessary. So that's why I use the desktop version because I can go straight into the journals and make my, my journal entries without having to create an invoice or to go through all these 
you know, things. Um, so the, that, that's the difference is how, how robust you want your bookkeeping to be or do you just want to see a profit and loss. Now, listen, most people don't have anything. So having a profit and loss that you can control every week or every month is great. Uh, and, and profit gauge, gauges will do that. You know, it, it doesn't give you all the, you know, I have 160 categories. You know, it has maybe 12. So it, it won't give you the depth of, uh, of uh, data um, that, that I do. But it, it, it's a good start. It's a good start. Any accounting system, I'm sure, I mean, uh, Landstar BCOs, there's a guy named, uh, I think named Fogline that a BCO created. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's not going to be, you know, I pride myself on my, I can take my books to, I don't have an accountant. I have a tax accountant, and all she does is take my books and put it on the tax return and, do, and make sure that's done properly. I'm not going to do tax returns ever, okay? I'm not going to read that book every year and make those changes, okay? I'm never going to do that, and I can pay somebody to do it. But I will always do my accounting, my own accounting, and uh, always have and always will. So, uh, let's see. Um, saw one of your trucks the other day. Got to say, I was surprised to see it running grips. Um, well, there's a reason for that. <coughs> there's a reason for that. So <laughs> let me it, let assuming it's the one I'm thinking of. But well, there's only one. Okay. Um, so there's a story there, and uh, th- this will be good for those of you that are you know looking for trucks. We found this truck in northern Michigan. Uh, bought it pretty much sight unseen. Larry and I drove up there pretty much just to do the deal. Uh, 15000 I think. Uh, 13 15, 15 it, whatever, 15 grand. Um, and part of our research was running the VIN number. And the VIN number came back that it had uh, 279 rears with a direct drive chin speed. And it was an old Schneider truck, so that checked out. Because Schneider's have been running direct drive... Uh, with high gear ratios for a long time. So we thought, oh, great. So we go look at the truck. It's fantastic. I mean, the thing looks brand new. It was. It had one owner, essentially. And uh, everything was great until I pull out of the driveway with it after we wrote the check, and I look at the RPMs, and I'm like, ruh row. Somebody changed the gear ratio. So rather than go to the $6,000 expense of changing gears, uh, we looked, and um, Michelin had a 455, uh, let's see, 445, 50, 455.50, 22.5, that was a little bit taller, and we're like, great. So we ordered them, and then we got there and saw they were grips, and Michelin makes the close shoulder, the good tire in 445.50, 22.5, but the only thing they make in the 455.50, 22.5 is the grip. So it was kind of a <coughs> well, compromise, we, we, you know. We ran, we ran the, uh, the, the rolling resistance on both of them. The grip was, was not as good as the, as the tire we normally use, but it was better than running the thing at, the, at RPMs we were going to have to run it at. So it was just a, be- it was a better of two evils, you know. We, could, we were going to either have to have poor fuel mileage because the truck was going to be running way over its sweet spot, or we could put these tires on there. And uh, that's on that's on um, that's on 508, right? Mm-hmm. There it is. I just looked at that. Our lifetime uh, fuel mileage on that truck is 6.67. Now, I've never driven it. Chris never driven it. You know, that's with the driver in it. 
Um, normally, we he and I can get about a, f- a mile per gallon better than that. So probably could get it in the mid sevens, you know, the way it sits right now. Um, so again, it's not horrible, and uh, it's um, the truck was good, too good to pass up, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't honestly. We just we just could not find that out until we actually drove it. So yeah. And mm-hmm. and there's no way to know. I mean, you until I put it in high gear and I looked at the RPMs and I'm like, so the the things that affect your your the the gearing obviously is the final drive uh, ratio in the transmission, uh, the rear end ratio, and the circumference of the tires, and then what speed you drive. So you, if you've got two of those three variables, you can figure out what it's going to be. That's what we did. So we we did we ran the numbers and added an inch to the circumference of the tires, brought the the ratio uh, down to where we could, you know, we could utilize it. It wasn't, it wasn't the best on our best fuel miles truck, but it's certainly mm-hmm. acceptable. And the truck was in good enough shape that, you know, we were willing to make that decision. <coughs> Is grip a slang term for a different type of tire? No, it's no, literally got it's the word grip. What it's got is an open shoulder yeah. tread, right? So a closed shoulder is going to be smooth all the way around the edges of the tread, and this one's open, so it looks grippy, you know, like a like a four-wheel drive tire. They're, they're um, pretty common. I mean, when you go when, when we go to buy a tire, we got to be very careful because these tire places will put one of those on and thinking it's the tire that we want. So, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're out there. I mean, a lot of people run them. A lot of fleets run them, especially in the north because they probably they think they get better traction. I don't mm-hmm. know if they do or not. I guess they would if you're off-road. But uh, but it's, it's a pretty common tire. We have to be careful not to get one usually. So. Uh, okay, I know as far as the other comment I saw, I wanted to hit, uh, I have no idea what that means, please be more common sense, okay, um, all right, um, well, here, here's one, Chris, it, it has to do with tires, oh, here you go, so, well, how much would I gain if I switch to super singles? Well, number one, you might not gain anything because super singles are not all created equal. You know, you have to look at the tire. You have to look what the rolling resistance is on that tire and compare it. Listen, there's some super singles that get less rolling resistance than duals. Michelin makes a dual tire that's almost as good as the single, very, very close. It would outperform most other super singles. So you can't just say, that's like saying, well, I'm only going to run Michelin. Well, Michelin makes that grip. You know, it also makes the, the you know, the, 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 the energy tire. What was really so bad? XDN2 was the one that was terrible. That was the ori- that was what, that's what the grip came from, the XDN2, you know. Um, so you, you have to do your homework there. You have to look at what the rolling resistance is and, uh, and compare that to. Um, now, look, it's the thing that can make the biggest single. When we're trying to improve fuel mileage, that's the thing besides the driver that can make the biggest effect if you've got bad tires. Now, I don't mean bad by being bad war. I mean bad by being poor fuel mileage tires. Because there's brand new tires you can put on a truck and kill your fuel mileage. Uh, so you've got you to look at what you got, and you've got to look at what you're looking at and make sure that it's better. Uh, Michelin has a, has a site that you can go in there, and, and you can set all it up and compare the tire you have. Now. It'll look at four tires. You know, it'll look at the one you're looking at Michelin-wise and look at three other ones, and you can compare and see what they're going to look like. Um, it's not the easiest site to use, but, hey, you all are in business together. Or in business for yourself, you're supposed to be smart enough to do stuff like that. So, <laughs> I can testify that it's uh, not an easy site to use. Um, 
right. Uh, Rob's talking about getting a sample kit. Um, just uh, just go to the website. If you if you need OPS supplies, just go to the website into the store, and and buy it. You know, and it'll it automatically sends me. And the email is brlspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, oh, what are a couple things I could do now as a company driver to practice being in the master class program? Um, well, you can work on your fuel mileage. You can uh, practice saving your fuel receipts. That's something that Larry and I have been screaming at people about today. Um, you just got to remember, when, when you go to get in business... 15% is driving the truck, right? My business did not fail because I couldn't pick up and deliver loads. It didn't fail because I couldn't do big money. Uh, I, could. I could. I could do all that. I could pick up and deliver loads, and I could get great rates. And It, it failed because I did not control the expenses. The expenses are what put me out of business. You have to begin to turn yourself away from the guy that's only concerned about picking up and delivering loads um, because, you know, you can go out and bang out a bunch of ten, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 weeks in a row. Congratulations, you've done well. But if I can't find your damn fuel receipt and you have no idea what the hell is going on with your truck, doesn't matter. You, the, 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 the things that you applaud yourself for as a business owner are very different than the things you applaud yourself for as a driver. <clears throat> when I started out, I was a company driver for eight months, as been well documented. When I was looking into the, the uh, possibility or the idea of do I want to buy a truck, I just read my own set of books. You know, I, as a company driver, I, can, I knew what the load paid. I knew how much the fuel cost. I'm not sure I knew exactly what the discount was. But I could pretty much put together, you know, uh, uh, what that truck was doing for the company and what it would do if it were mine. And so that's that anybody can do that. You just keep up with your income and your expenses and, um, and just learn how, learn how to lower your expenses and be profitable, you know. Uh, the, the biggest thing a company driver can do is, is improve the fuel mileage. Most of them do not care what it is. They have no idea that there's a strategy to buy fuel that could cut it by, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent um, or more. So those are things that you can do that, that um, you know, that, that would make a big difference. And then start paying attention to the details, like you said, keeping the receipts. Yeah, look, you can keep your own ledgers right now. You, you can keep every load you ever hauled and look at what the, what the, f the fuel surcharge and the, and the revenue are. All those things get you in the habit of doing this when it's your money. So that's the easiest thing to do. Uh, and then work on your own personal skills, um, communication. Are, y are you communicating well you know, with, your, uh, with whoever you have to communicate with now? Uh, can that be better? Um, the, you know, the, 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 the question about can I come to Lancaster and make $15,000, uh, the, the first way of getting that is communicating. That's the first step. Uh, because if you don't communicate with the uh, with the agent, um, there, listen, there's a post right now on one of the Facebook groups. Happened yesterday, and uh, an agent came on and offered a load, a big old can <laughs> load, okay, offered a load, and some smartass uh, who mm -hmm. always is on there bad mouthing. This agent happened to have his his name 
obviously wasn't Joe Smith, okay? It had a lot of consonants in it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he obviously was identified by this moron as a foreign agent, okay? And, and, these, and these morons uh, assume that just because you have a funny-looking name and you might have your, your language might be a little bit hard for a redneck from Alabama to understand, you know, that they ob- then their freight must obviously be inferior. And so he mouthed off, and this guy, it was great. He said, well, here's what the context. So the guys it offered their load from here to there, 2400 bucks. I think he said he had two loads. He did. So smartass comes in and says, I'll take them both. Send them to me, $3,000. And the and the agent responds and he goes, you know what? You come on here every day bad math and foreign agents, so that ends up getting you on some do not use list. So thanks, but no thanks. Right. He said thanks. He said thanks. I'll pass. Yeah, thanks. I'll mm-hmm. pass. I loved. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I had to go unblock that moron just so I could go and love that guy's comment, and then went and reblocked him again. So, um, so you know that's that's now that guy will have trouble getting to $15,000 a week, okay? Mm-hmm. Because that's how he teaches people. Um, he, I looked him up. He's been here since October of 2022. So he's been, or excuse me, 2020. Mm-hmm. So he's been here about about two years, you know. Um, be interesting to, to see what his, uh, you know. And what he's supposedly an agent. Is he? Uh-huh. Well, that's even more exciting. Oh, you know, that's right. I, I do recognize that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that guy. Yeah, that guy. All right. Uh-huh. So anyway, <laughs> um, y- you know that's uh, th- that's that does that's not what you want to do uh, to get yourself ready to be in business. Okay, is to act act, act like a uh, act like a fool. You know. So now sometimes I do it. You know, but I don't do it to our customers. I do it to you guys. So. Right. <coughs> Ian. Is it cra- is it that crazy to throw my stuff in storage and live in the truck and run like crazy? Should one keep that information from their driver manager? Um, first question, uh, no. I matter of fact, if you're single, um, I would sell everything that wasn't bolted down, um, and I would go live in the truck for a year or three, uh, because if if you don't have you know because uh, listen, having a wife and kids is hard. Right, it complicates uh, this type of operation. But if you're if you're single, and you could sell everything that wasn't bolted down, um, and go out and get that year of experience that you need to come to Landstar, come to the program, do it for eighteen months, and do the same thing. Just run your balls off and save, 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 save. So at the end, you've got forty, fifty thousand dollars, and we can go find you a lunatic truck. You you go from zero to a probably one hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year income in uh, eighteen plus twelve, forty months. No, thirty. Nope, still did it wrong. No, thirty. Three years, right? From zero, no experience. To 150 or more, probably 200, uh, with a paid-for truck, in less than three years, um, with a $6,000 investment in the school. So absolutely, I would I would sell everything. You don't need a car. You can Uber. You can Turo. You can rent a car for a week if you need one. Just sell it all. Sell everything. Uh, 
How long should I let the truck in order to spin down the turbo after a 10-hour break or 10-hour shift? Eh. Five minutes, maybe. Few minutes, yeah. Few yeah. Minutes. Just just <clears throat> five minutes or so. Really, what you're doing is you're you're giving. Uh, it's it's a lot different if you're, you know, it's wintertime, it's cold. I mean, if you climb a big hill, and you know, like uh, for example, that pilot on 68, um, Grantsville, Maryland. Well, if you climb that big ass hill at 80,000 pounds, and you've got that exhaust temperature up to 1,500 degrees, yeah, pull in the truck stop, let the truck set idle five ten minutes and let everything cool off before you kill it uh, but otherwise it's you know not a big deal um, obviously checking to make sure you're not you know don't have leaking wheel seals and stuff like that's a big deal but most people can't tell that uh, you tell me which dual tires from michelin have the least rolling resistance it, it'd be the uh the line energy d plus Line Energy D Plus. It's on their website. Um, you just go to search Michelin low rolling resistance and it'll come up. Uh, I thought I saw another comment. About something about maintenance, but I don't see it now. Rocky, I'm not sure if you're aware, but truck drivers, their feet on the dash watching the Kardashians on their phone cause crashes every day. Oh, listen, absolutely. I used to drive at night, only at night, okay? And you'd be surprised what you can see at night that people watch on their dash, okay? Because it shines up real bright when, the, <laughs> when it's dark. And, um, yeah, um, and, and, you know, we, we kill people every day. Um, automation's not going to, you know, I mean... That's just going to be part of the game. Are mullets a non-professional haircut? No, I mean, there's business in the front, party in the back, you know? <clears throat> oh, so Luke had this comment. I was watching a previous episode wondering how that well-run shop and how that relationship is now. Reference episode 97. That was a long time ago. I'm not sure. Well-run shop? Yeah, it might have been that one that we went and looked at that we liked really well and then turned into a dud. I don't yeah, know. Let me look at 97 real quick and see what that <clears> was. That was about, um, it was about the shop industry. So it was probably around that time. Uh, we, we had, we had found a shop that we were just blown away by. And then like the first time it was like, <coughs> wow. And then went back the second time. It was like, what the hell happened? You know, turned out it was all cat, no hat, all hat, no cattle. Yeah. Yeah. All it was cat, just no a hat. very, <laughs> I've uh, I've had a couple of these, but I'm you know I, I'm not I'm I'm stone sober, so uh yeah you know with that well now uh well I'm I'm not gonna do that we we have found another well run shop but listen we we need them too bad you guys are on your own you got to find them so um we we <coughs> we make these guys so busy we can't get in when we start talking about them so <laughs> uh, uh so Antonio says I bought open shoulder tires by accident should have just buy new tires well. Um, I, what I need you to do, if you don't have one, is run down to Walmart. I need you to pick up a BSE 9000. Because the answer to this question is a mathematical question. All right? Let's start with what's your fuel mileage. All right? If your fuel mileage is 6.5 to 7.5 with these tires, um, 
No, you're probably at even at the fuel rates, you're probably not going to make enough. Now, if these are Chinese open uh, shoulder tires, well, yeah, yeah, pull over to next exit and have somebody bring you some tires. Um, but you know, if it's the Michelin open shoulder, probably not. You know, it's just one of those lessons that you learn about being an informed consumer before you go buy tires. I am within uh, nine miles a gallon. Hell no, you're fine. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, is that in? Oh yeah, but is that in fuel gauges or is that what it says on the dash? Right. Uh, let me, Are you? Let me, let me go back to a previous Antonio. I, I you know, I, I like you, but I'm start, You're starting to make me think you're not being truthful so you want to make 15,000 a week because your truck payment is 2400 bucks a month uh and you're 64,000 dollars in debt and your home bills are on 2000 a month uh, well there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of questions there that i would get to before i'd worry about making 15,000 a week and now you've got tires that are open shoulder and you're getting nine miles to the gallon okay if if Moving that on. if that nine point comes from a screen on the dash, then you're not getting nine miles a gallon. Now, if you are writing down your mileage at every fuel stop and you're using something like fuel gauges and you're um, writing the miles down and dividing it by the gallons, then yes. Um, but uh, anyway, where was I if going? If you're making before? if you're getting nine miles a gallon with those tires, I'd like to know what they are because I'd like to buy them. Okay, I'll buy them off of you and give you <laughs> the ones we have. So, if if that's true, so I. I may be, uh, you, you may be right, but I, I have my doubts. Um, well, I'm starting to say something, but anyway, um, Evan, you guys talked before about fixing something on the trucks every week. Could you give a couple examples? Um, yeah, um, just this week. Uh, we had a um, brake chamber. No, it was, oh, it was not a brake chamber. It was an airline. An airline got a hole in it. And we had to send someone out. Um, unfortunately, the guy that they sent out there did not have the highest IQ that, that he possibly could have. He wanted to replace the whole line. Of course, he didn't have a line. He was going to have to go to the dealer. I'm like, hold on a minute. You can't splice a hose? To which he said, I've got to get my boss's permission. And I'm like, well, sir, you don't need your boss's permission because he's not the boss I am. I'm paying the bill, and I'm telling you to put a splice in it. Well, he didn't have a splice on his truck, and he had to go back to the shop not once but twice. So then he presents me with a $700 bill for all of his trips back and forth to the shop. And I got his boss on the phone and I explained to him that I can understand if we needed an alternator or a starter or something specific to my truck, but your service truck should have a 5 eighths rubber airline splice on it. So no, I'm not paying you $300 for all of these uh, uh, trips back and forth to your shop. So this idiot could find a $35 piece of brass. So we got the bill down about 350 bucks. Um, I uh, we had a truck uh, this week that we had to replace 
the oil fill tube where you put oil in goes and bolts to the side of the motor. That tube broke, and all the oil left the chap. And so we had to, uh, we ended up at a Love's. It, it happened right, right beside a Love's. And um, the Love's found the problem. And, of course, they couldn't find the part, so I had to find the part. And the driver Ubered down to Nashville to get the part and brought it back, and they put the part on. Um, but, yeah, there's, <clears throat> there's all kinds of stuff that happens. Um, you know, now the difference between it happening to me, you know, with the experience level that I have and it happening to you are pretty different because, you know, I don't carry like an Xbox with me. I have like four toolboxes that go with me. So whenever my truck has a problem, I just get underneath the truck and fix it. So in both of these cases, had I, had I been the driver, um, I wouldn't have had to call the guy because I carry 5.8 airline brass unions with me. So I would have done that. Um, and, I, if, and even if I didn't have one on me, I could have caged the brake chamber and pinched off the airline and made it down the road somewhere that had one. Um, in the case of the, uh, uh, the oil thing, had that happened to me, um, I carry the tools. It's only on there with four bolts. I could have taken the four bolts out and I could have gotten the Uber down to the dealer and picked the part up and brought it back. And I could have done it myself. Um, now obviously we can't expect people that, you know, are in the program that don't know how to do that stuff. Um, but when you become an owner operator, and you start getting hit with some of these seven hundred and eight hundred and thousand dollar bills. You learn pretty quick that if I had some Harbor Freight tools in this truck, um, I could have fixed that myself. So that's just uh, you know I put a pigtail end on a tr on a truck this week. Um, I am uh, in the process of lunaticking a truck that we just brought in, um, and it's gonna cool oh buddy. It's gonna get all kinds of work. <coughs> Um, but I'm doing it now so we don't have to do it later. So I've got the whole dash tore out of it right now. So it's a mess. Jet steel tires are made in India, by the way. Um, I've never heard of them, so I looked them up just now, and they're, they're made in, in India. Um, Walmart sells them. <coughs> um, well, I would be shocked to see you go to fuel gauges, um, go to Let's Truck fuel gauges, sign up for a free account, and every single time that you get fuel, you put in your mileage and you put in the number of gallons, and you get back to me in 30 days, and we'll find out what your fuel mileage really is because there ain't no way in hell it's nine mile a gallon. Unless you're bobtail, you're not hauling loads. You're just bobtailing everywhere you go. There's absolutely no way you're getting nine mile a gallon consistently. Uh, well, and I was, he continues, I was just trying to get them to pass inspection to lease on Landstar. I'm now with Landstar trying to figure out the system, try to figure out the best tires for my 2019 Freightliner. Um, well, this is the challenge, you know. Um, th this was the challenge of coming to Landstar because the it's equal ground, wh whether anybody wants to admit it or not. Um, when you all show up, 
it don't matter what kind of truck you're driving. It don't matter what country you were born in. It don't matter the color of your skin. It don't matter if you're a man or woman or both, whatever. Um, they give you a couple days of orientation. They give you a login to the board and a fuel card, and they pat you on the butt and wish you the best of luck. And if you figure it out, you'll figure it out. And if you don't, well, you know. I mean, they have lots of people. This is the, I would love our friends on Facebook to understand that Jacksonville literally has a – they have telephones down there, right? You can literally oh, – this is, this is groundbreaking stuff here, but walk with me. You can literally call Landstar, the operator, and be like, I need to talk to somebody about my contract, or I need to figure out how to buy fuel, or I need to – and they will transfer you to people – that will actually answer your question and not lie to you like the people on Facebook will. Now, I mean, that's probably scary for a lot of people, but you literally can call Landstar and they'll answer your questions. Or you can go on Facebook and <clears throat> somebody can lie to you. You know, it's your choice. Well, Facebook, you're going to get opinions mixed in with some facts, but you then you got to be able to tell the difference. Um, you know, if you go... First of all, they, that book they gave you at, at orientation, that blue book, uh, most of the questions are in there, or most of the answers are in there, uh, if you take the time to read it. Um, you also have a BCO advisor that you were assigned at orientation. Uh, that'd be a good place to start, because even if you don't know what department to call, they can tell you what department to call. Uh, if that doesn't work, each of the each of the um, field offices has a uh, a, a, a what do they call what do, what do they call Al Jordan? What's his official title? Oh, um, I, I've got it somewhere here. They are field BCO field reps. Yeah, so you field can go in, You can stop in one of the uh, field offices. Here it is, right here. Um, well, it says he's a supervisor. But anyway, uh, every uh, Landstar terminal uh, has a field operations supervisor. Um, in the case of Al Jordan, he was a 20-year-some-odd BCO. So there are people here that you can go to that their job is to help you, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to these morons on Facebook <laughs> whose uh, their job is to just give you shit, all right, <laughs> and make life miserable for you. Um, but it requires you to put out some effort, um, just like the tire thing. I mean, I, listen, all the knowledge I have, I didn't, I didn't come out of the vagina with that. Okay, I acquired that through my curiosity and my willingness to research and put it together. Uh, so that's all it takes is being curious and, and not being so lazy to, to not do the, to do, the, do the homework. Every, listen, everything known to man is in your pocket, you know, and you start out by typing G-O-O, -O, and after that, the answers are all there. You just have to take the time to figure them out, you know. So, I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of in a shitty mood tonight. In case you hadn't heard, I, listen, I, I, I kind of am too. Um, um, so I'm sorry if I'm a little short tonight, but um, <coughs> I've handed out two or three ass chewings in the last 24 hours, and so you know I'm just you know is what it is. Um, here's one, Chris. Oh, sorry, right. I, I stepped on. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, should we budget 15? That uh, uh, the better side of Kyla. Tyler, mm -hmm. um, that is our historical 
uh, average for our fleet. Um, but remember, we have older trucks, um, so that's that's that is what we what we budget. Yes. Now, uh, if you've got a a newer truck that has a fifteen thousand dollar one box on it, that might not be enough. You know. Um, so I'm just I'm you know you what the but the way I got to that number is doing my books. After two or three years, I could see. Well, wait a minute, I'm spending this, and so every year, you know, when I do my books, all right, I look at all the the, the percentages. What is the percentage of revenue of my payroll? What's the percentage of revenue of my fuel? What's the percentage of my maintenance? You know, so that's the advantage of having these numbers. You know, is because you can find out what you're averaging, and then you can start comparing that and going, well, listen, mine's twenty five percent. You know. Um, so that's that's the start is to get the get your own data so you know what you're paying, and then you'll know what to to allow. Now I will also tell you this, okay? Maintenance is a broad broad topic. Um, we we keep I keep maintenance accounts like this. I have regular what I call routine maintenance. I have what I call major uh, part major repairs. I've got tires. I've got truck washes, and I've got tows, and I've got APU all in separate maintenance, okay? So that gives me the ability to look at each one of those things independently because routine maintenance is not routine if it's going to last three years. If I'm going to do an engine overhaul, I'm not going to count that in my routine maintenance. It's not routine. You're going to do once, and you're not going to do it again. Tires, you know, we, when I was driving, I would get 400,000 miles on tires, so I didn't throw that into routine maintenance. That was my tire, you know. Uh, budget my tire so I you know it you you got to kind of look at that you know specifically but as a rule for us yes 15 cents a mile is what what we use but if it's for you I don't I can't tell you without having some history you know at least one year obviously the more the better I've been tracking this since 2008 so I got a look pretty good track record here of what it is um, let me add to that um, but but, the, but but listen that's a good starting point I mean if mm -hmm. you did that you'd be okay you know, it, uh, it what the problem is that people don't do it at all, and then they have a you know they have a catastrophic breakdown, and they're on Facebook saying, "Hey, sorry, I'm out, I'm done," you know, so because uh, they could afford the truck payment, but they couldn't afford the breakdown. So that that works. Well, I, I I did a forensic analysis of my operation after my truck quit and blew up, and I added everything up right from. And, and mine was every truck wash. It, if it was maintenance, I put it in there. Um, and then I got the total, and I looked at the mileage the day I bought the truck, and I looked at the mileage the day it blew up, and I made a calculation, and it came out to be 18 and a half cents a mile. Now, what I've since realized is that because I was not doing good preventative maintenance, a lot of my repairs ended up being more expensive than they should have. Um, I should have had an OPS. I did not have an OPS, so I spent a lot more money on oil changes. So I now understand that had I been a lunatic, I I should have and I should have been at that fifteen cents, and that included two in frames, by the way, because I I went and I put the I put the first in frame in there, and then I put what it I think I just chose like. Nine thousand dollars to fix it. I don't know what it costs because I sold the truck, but I just I just put nine nine grand in there. It should have covered it. And eighteen and a half cents 
covered all that. I would have just wrote a check. I, I, it would have been, and, and I put this out in the fleet message this week. Here's my hope for you guys. When, not if, when your truck breaks down and it's a big ticket item and you're going to be down a couple weeks, here's what I want to happen. I want you to go, oh, no, my truck is broken down. How unfortunate. Let's go on vacation. Instead of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Can I get CAG Capital to give me a loan at 72% interest to pay for my truck, and I need a BCO that I can drive for because I'm so broke I can't pay attention. I'll have two nickels to rub here. That's the difference. I want you to go, oh, man. Well, eventually the big breakdown is going to come, and it's going to cost me a bunch of money, but let me go home and – and I'll just do the uh, I'll just do the uh, the honeydew list for a couple of weeks while the truck's getting fixed. That's the difference between being a lunatic, you know, and being your average moron that stumbles into trucking business. You go, okay, well, shit, you know, my truck's broke down. Now what am I going <clears> to <throat> do? And then fix it. You just write the check, and it's done. It's a series of decisions. And um, how well you pre- how were you prepared to make those decisions? You know, um, we talk to guys all the time when it comes to them, you know, and they all have different situations. But, you know, most of them, they had to have a truck, okay? So they got no money. They got no credit. They got no, you know, so the, they, the, they go do the, 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 the thing that's the easiest for them to do. And that's either predatory lending or lease purchase because it's more important for them to have a truck and pay triple for it than to wait and and save the money and prepare themselves to be in business. You know, uh, that's the part that just makes me me nuts is that what's the, what's the, I mean, there there are plenty of places in trucking to make, Good, really good money. Walmart's paying a hundred thousand dollars right now. Okay, mm-hmm. to start. All right. What, what, the job at Walmart is not any different than the job of having your own truck, except you, except you have to be you're accountable. And over here, you can do whatever the hell you want until you run out of money. Then you got to do something. Then you got to end up going to Walmart. Why not just get a good job, and 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 cut your expenses and live on uh, as Dave Ramsey said, rice and beans, and save the money. And then when you've got the money, go into business where you don't have to go pay predatory lending. You know, you, if, if not pay cash for a truck, pay enough down that a bank, a real legitimate bank that, that's in your town will loan you money at 6 or 7 or 8% to go buy the truck. What's the, where, where's the desperation come from? Okay? Because if you buy a truck and you run it wrong like you're going to do, you're going to make less money than you are as a company driver. Okay, and you've got all this risk. Even if you make the same money, you've got all this risk that you don't have as a company driver. And you could hate it all you want. That just makes you motivated. That just makes you save the money faster. But no, let's run out here and let's get let's do something stupid, and obtain a truck, because the 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 decision making abilities that I just used to make that stupid decision to get that truck, I'm going to continue to use that intelligence. To make every other decision I'm going to do uh, uh, while I've got that truck. Tires, fuel, loads, you know. It, it's just one bad decision after another. When you could prepare yourself and do it the right way. 
Yep. Um, so now I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick this scab again because now we get nine miles per gallon on light loads and seven and a half on heavy loads. I'm throwing the bullshit card right now, okay? Fuel mileage, I can tell you the fuel mileage to the 10th, well, actually to the 100th per a decimal point on every truck we have for 90 days or its lifetime, regardless of what direction the wind was blowing and how heavy the load was. That's fuel mileage. Telling me it's one thing when it's heavy, another that means you're not measuring your fuel mileage. You're probably looking at the thing on the dash and, and thinking that that's what it is. So until you measure fuel mileage for 90 days, every fill-up, you do not know your fuel mileage. You're guessing. You're pulling the number out of your ass, and mm-hmm. that's where it needs to go back is in your ass. So, <coughs> Do they have personal conveyance at Landstar? I'm at JB as an owner-operator, and we only can drive 50 miles on PC. It's the same way at Landstar. Um, yeah, you have PC. Um, and if you screw around and use it as a crutch because you're lazy and dumb and you don't trip plan, they'll take it away. They'll just call you one day and be like, your PC suspended for a year. Um, so it's kind of the Wild West a little bit because they, they, they'll they tell you, I think it's two hours a day, right, uh, that you're supposed to limit it on. But here's the problem. It won't turn off, you know. So if you want to be an idiot that goes out and drives six hours on PC, sure, go ahead. Uh, when they find you, they will kill you, okay? Um, and, and you'll just get a <laughs> well, phone call one day. You think you're going to die because now you can't cheat anymore. Right. So, you know, it, the PC's just like ELDs were when they first came in. Everybody hating them because now they couldn't get away with what they're doing. The problem with PC is that it's not for, it's not for commercial gain. So it doesn't matter that Landstar gives you 50 miles or 200 miles or whatever. That does, that's not a blank check. You know, the, you're allowed to use it. And, and every company has their own policy, and Landstar has their own, okay? Um, but you're allowed to use it for personal conveyance. Personal conveyance does not mean you can do anything you want to do. You can't even go home under personal conveyance by the law, okay? Now, here come all the truck stop lawyers. I can see them dropping out of the sky right now. Uh, but, that you know, every, that, opinions don't matter here. Only the law matters, okay? And the worst thing about that is the law doesn't really matter anyway because the companies are going to do what they want to do regardless of the law. And most companies are more st- more strict than the law. So at Landstar, yes, you do have PC. You don't have lot move or yard move. You don't have that because Landstar doesn't have yards. So uh, but you do have PC. And there's a limit to what you can use. And if you uh, abuse it and a logs person starts digging in your stuff because they haven't got anything else to do today, than to pick on you and find that you missed it, they take it away for one year on first um, on first offense, no uh, warning. So uh, that usually sends most people to the house because they can't operate at Landstar and make $15,000 a week without using PC. All right, Antonio, I'm going to show you what this looks like, okay? This is fuel gauges. Let me take this brand off here. This is what fuel gauges looks like, okay? Um, you have a 30-day, you have a 60-day, you have a 90-day, and then this is lifetime. So this truck, um, where is it? Well, let's go all. Okay, there we go. The lifetime on this truck 
is 7.2. We've put 172,019 miles on this truck since we put it in. The average has been 7.2. The best was 11.2. The worst was 2.32. The average cost per mile was 55 cents. The average cost per gallon was $3.94. But there's your 30, your 60, your 90, and your lifetime. All right, all of this happens because we're going in here and we're putting in every single fuel up. Every time we get fuel, we put the odometer, the gallons, we put it in there, right? But this is what it should look like when you do a fuel up. And then every week you can go up in here and you can select. So we do a weekly, um, a weekly reporting on what that truck's fuel mileage was that week. But there's your 30-day. There's your 60-day, there's your 90-day, and there's your lifetime. Chris, can I point out something there also? Go ahead. Go back to go back to click that the 30-day. Click it mm -hmm. again. Okay. So now here's the other thing, guys, you can use this for if you t keep up with this. You know, you, you, you all complained about fuel being $6 a gallon, okay? And, and, and the fuel surcharge went up to what, 80 or 80? What was it, Chris, at the top? Uh, high in mid -70s. High 70s, okay. So, uh, Chris, can you can you can they see your uh, your cursor at that mm -hmm. sixty one? Can they see that? So that sixty one cents a mile is what that cost that truck to, to that was the fuel cost per mile for that truck in that period right there that's, that's highlighted. Okay, now um, you know uh, if, if fuel mileage right now is fifty nine cents. All right, so uh, at this point in time, this truck here is operating at two cents over the fuel surcharge. Uh, but most of our fleet's not. Most of our fleet's under the fuel surcharge, which means that whatever the price of the fuel goes up, as long as you're operating under that fuel surcharge, it doesn't matter what the fuel costs, you know. But this is how you know that. Th these are how you get the numbers to be able to tell if you're operating efficiently or not. And it all starts with just keeping up with your numbers, you know. Yeah, it takes about, what, 30 seconds, Chris, to put this in on your phone while, yep. you're, at the, while you're at the fuel, uh, fuel island? And there it is, you know. Now, I go back in and put in the prices and stuff uh, because we don't know that until we get the actual discount from Landstar. But that doesn't affect the fuel mileage. It does affect the cost, you know. But we that's why I do that for you. Um, so, uh, but this is a this is a free app. It, it, it doesn't cost anything. never will. It's for, you can get it from letstruck.com. And, uh, and, and you, if you're, I mean, look, listen, guys, fuel, you've heard me say this a jillion times. Fuel is your number one cost. It's also the easiest cost you have to lower. And this is the step one, is to find out what it is that you're spending, okay? Because if that average per mile is too high, either, either your, your truck is not getting good enough fuel mileage or you're not buying it right, okay? You're not paying attention to what fuel costs. And you're paying too much for it when you could go get it on sale. And if you don't understand that, then you need to come get in the program. We'll teach you what that means, okay? But this is step one, to, to, to mitigate your number one cost. Now, listen, for most people, fuel is one-third of their revenue. Now, it shouldn't be. Ours is about 20%. But you can, make, you can, uh, you can change that. If your revenue is three or four hundred thousand dollars a year, a third of that you're paying in fuel more than likely. If you're not doing this right here, if you're not keeping up with this and paying attention to what fuel costs and what you're paying for it and what you're using, you're just giving money away. 
You know, it, it's one thing to make more money and to make $15,000 a week when you can, Antonio. It's another thing to just make 10 and hold on to most of it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make 15 if you don't piss away what you make by uh, not paying attention to what fuel costs and not knowing that your truck gets seven and a half or nine or somewhere in between or maybe less. This is how you know. This is how you separate the bullshit from the facts. And so here you can <coughs> see this is, this is a truck that we, the first fuel up, January 21st, 2019, and the last fill-up was February 6th. 430,000 miles we've tracked on this truck. 44 cent a mile fuel cost. Now, for fun, I'm going to go down here at the bottom, and let's go to this one here. Uh, we have to go over here because this truck's been sitting a while. Looky there. 1,582,000. Two hundred and eighty-one miles tracked at seven point oh five mile per gallon from June 9th, two thousand nine, to February sixth, twenty twenty-three. One point five million miles tracked in this system, and no Rand McNally <coughs> does not do the same thing. Okay, period. This and, and before I got out of that truck, that number was nine. Okay, that's been right. that's that's it's worked its way down since I got out of the truck. But right. Okay, get back to it here. All right. Um, can we can we move on to some more questions? Yep. Uh, there was one here about twenty percent of revenue. Uh, here it is, right here. Again, the better side of Kyle. Should I put twenty percent of net aside for taxes? Sorry, if I can move. Net's hard to if if you if you have uh, years of. Of uh, of records to to go on, uh, you you would you could figure it out on your own. I would I more I would rather you look at gross because you, it's it's hard to know net until you figure out what net is. But uh, you know a, about eleven twelve uh, percent of gross will 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 get you there. Okay, now if you're at Landstar, we're talking about your ten ninety nine gross, not gross revenue uh, before uh, Landstar is cut. Uh, but that that will I would rather use that number than twenty percent. If you can do the twenty percent, you should know exactly what it is because you could you could look at your previous uh, years and know exactly what it should be. Now, if you ha- if, if your tax your tax accountant should also be telling you what your quarterly uh, uh, tax uh, deposit should be for next year. That's dead on. That's based on last year's numbers. So if you don't have that and you're just starting out or you don't have um, a, an accountant. Uh, I would go with 11% of gross revenue um, to the truck, which m- would be after Landstar's. Now, if you're not Landstar, then it would just be your gross revenue. You know, so. One thing I want to go back to on fuel gauges. Um, the problem with tracking your fuel in Ray McNally is when that, when that piece of garbage uh, eventually breaks, all your data is gone with it. When you're using fuel gauges, it's on the website and it's backed up on the cloud. So, don't use your Rand McNally because that it will break, and when it does break, all your data is gone. Uh, please don't take your truck to TA and have them put an OPS on it. Okay, that would be a huge mistake. That would be a huge mistake. Find yourself a shop somewhere. Uh, now, the part of the problem with you doing this, okay, is there's going to be people that have no idea what it is. They're going to look at that and go, what the hell is that? And then they're going to ask you what the hell you're doing. You mean you're not going to change your oil? Um, 
the, look, there is, there are videos on the uh, the Pittsburgh Power website that uh, instruction will tell you exactly how to install that. There's a 1-800 number with excellent support. Uh, I would get your own local, I would get a mechanic that you know to put that on there. The hardest part of putting it on is drilling the holes in the frame. I'll tell you right that right now. It's not hard to put on at all. If you can drill four holes in the frame, go buy yourself about five or six bits, you know, you get that done, the rest of it's downhill from there. So, but I, there's no way on God's green earth I would, uh, I would take it to a TA and have it put on there. I mean, the only reason we had them done technically at TA is because Carl. Because Carl did them, yeah, Carl. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – and, of course, I'm sure uh, Pittsburgh Power probably knows the places, you know, if you're not close to them. Um, we had a precision truck up in Shopton put one on for us. Um, we've got a guy here that's going to start doing them too. Um, but it's not – like you said, you drilling the hull, the frame is the hardest part. And, you know, you're hooking you're, – you're getting oil out of the motor and you're putting oil back in the in the oil pan. It's, it's not very complicated. Um, um, fuel gauges is free. 100%. Uh, paper notebook works. The problem with paper notebook is you can't go back easily and search it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can go back to any fuel up that we did and tell you the mileage, tell you where it was. You, know, you just, it, you don't have the ability for the, for the fast retrieval, you know, so, uh, and it's not backed up in the cloud. So it's, there's no reason not to, it's free, it's free. So not that your paper doesn't and, work. And Anthony, I, I would love to hear from you 30 days from now. He says he's going to start tracking today. He downloaded the app. I would love to hear from you in 30 days. I want to know what your 30-day average is. Uh, by Now listen, wax on, wax off. This is going to be difficult because you have to create a new habit every time you get fuel. Um, you need to put this in before you leave the fuel island. Every single time. Because if you forget... Then you're going to, um, you know, then you're going to forget, and then you'll be like, oh, hell, I'm two or three days behind, and then you quit, right? So a new habit has to be created. When I get fuel, I'm logging it in my fuel gauges. Right now, while I'm sitting on the fuel island, before I put the truck in gear, I'm putting this into fuel gauges. I'm saving my fuel receipt for my accounting. It, it should be second <clears throat> nature. Just like grabbing toilet paper when you get done taking a dump. It should be second nature, okay? My buddy Steve backed me up here, whoever asked that question about the, uh, about the tax mail. Uh, y'all, if you didn't listen to Steve and I uh, talk about taxes a couple weeks ago, go back. What is it, Chris? Was it 184? What, what number was it? No, uh, we're on 148. It was last week, 147. 147. Was it last week? No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was it? It's Friday night. Last week. It had to be two weeks ago. Well, technically it was because it was Friday over a week ago. Oh. Well, anyway, um, Steve and I talked about taxes for a whole uh, thing, uh, accounting. Steve is a, is a BCO at Landstar, uh, but he has a strong accounting background, and um, he's um, you know, very knowledgeable about, about this sort of thing. He's my go-to guy, so thanks, Steve, for being there. Thanks for backing me up. All right. Uh, you want to talk about this one? Yeah. When you guys talk about your driver's weekly goal of $8,000 a week, is that 8000 as the load shows on the load board, or is that gross? Yes. <laughs> They're one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Let, let's explain. Let's explain our terminology well, I, because it's a it it can be confusing. Especially well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the reason. Let's talk about the why. Okay, right. the why for me. Okay, there was a time period before my truck blew up that in uh, September October of 2016, I decided to sell the truck, and I was home exactly two months, and I kind of got to clear my head. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to sell the truck. I just need to operate it better. And I thought, okay, I've got enough stuff dealing to deal with. I'm going down the road. I need to be able to make quick decisions, okay? I don't need a 17-step plan to decide if I want its load or not. So I took, I went to went all my numbers, and I went, okay, um, well, if the truck can make 1000 bucks a day, that's uh, 4000 a week, um, you know, to the truck, um, what is that number on the board? So I just divided, and I went, okay, well, 4000 divided by, it was like .68 at the time, came to like 5882, right? So six grand. And I went, okay, well, how about 1250 If I pick up a load today and I deliver it tomorrow, it needs to be gross 1250 and if I pick it up today and I deliver it in two days, it needs to be 2500 And if I pick it up today and I deliver it in three days, it needs to be 3750 Quick, easy decision. It pays what it picks up today. It delivers tomorrow, 1250 Okay. Well, then I noticed that the, the, the two-day loads generally didn't, like I could get a $2,500 two-day load, but it would send me somewhere where I couldn't get another one. And I went, okay. Um, well, let's just stick with one-day loads. And so I started picking up and delivering every single day. Pick up Monday, deliver Tuesday. Pick up Tuesday, deliver Wednesday. Pick up Wednesday, deliver Thursday. Pick up Thursday, deliver Friday. Pick up Friday, go to the house, loaded, deliver Monday, rinse, leather, repeat. 1250, 1250, 1250, just over and over. And it came to 6250 a week. And magically, my revenue skyrocketed, right? Because I didn't get wound up in rate per mile. So then... Then the truck breaks, I leave Landstar, I come back to Larry, we're talking, and I'm like, well, here's kind of my formula. He's like, well, I've, I use that formula too, and I'm like, great. Well, the market was such at the time that I was looking at fifteen and 1800 a day because the market was crazy in 2018, and we were making stupid money, right? So um, I don't get buried in the weeds of, oh, well, it's not enough rate per mile. I don't give a shit. I want to pick it up today, deliver it tomorrow, and it pays at least fourteen fifty. Now, if I get eighteen fifty, and tomorrow I need to hold my nose and take a twelve hundred, still works out, right? Oh if no, you let that cheap freight sit, buddy. <laughs> Don't you haul that cheap freight? Who would take that in the right mind? How many times you've seen that? So go back to the example of, of the smart ass that hates foreign people. The load, the guy, it was, it, I looked it up. It went from New Jersey to, I think, Illinois. is 832 miles, paid 2400 bucks. But it didn't meet my minimum. I, I so desperately wanted to book that load just so I could tell that stupid son of a bitch that I took that load just because he didn't like it. But my minimum for two days is 2900 You know, that's just the facts. And so I couldn't do it. But... When I'm looking at the board and I've got my load alert set up and I've got everything one, and I see that load pops up and I hmm, pick it up today, deliver it tomorrow, call the agent, hey, is it available? Yep, book it. And if they say, sorry, it's not available, I say thank you and I hang up and I move on with my life. 
You know, I don't go on Facebook and whine and complain like a little bitch. Then, oh, I can't believe I called that agent. They said it wasn't available. Just shut up and move on with your life. You idiot. Nobody gives a shit what you think. Nobody cares that you're upset. I don't care that you called the load and they found that you found that had 13 drops. Move on with your life. Go find another load or deadhead. But please, for the love of all that is good and kind, just shut up because nobody wants to hear it anymore. I can't, I'm just mortified that, that the agent would tell me that they're. Con- Why would they put a load on the board and not have it? You know, <sighs> we're not going to that tonight. No, anyway. let's not. So just, just to make sure that this question is answered properly, let's talk a little bit about the, but the word gross and net and to the truck and stuff like yeah, that. Okay. Let's do that. Cause at Landstar, it's a little confusing because if you weren't at Landstar, gross is gross. It, it's, it's the total money that you you're that you're that you're taking in gross revenue okay but at Landstar it can be a little bit deceptive because gross to some people is what it's on the low board for that's gross and then net would be what it pays after Landstar's cut but then that net becomes your gross when you bring it to you because that's the total of what you got so it's a little confusing so we used to the truck you know, gross revenue is what it is on the load board, all in. In other words, we use to the truck is what it is after um, Landstar's cut, and then net is what it is after we take our expenses out. You know, so the, understanding the terminology probably helps with you understand how this works. So, but yes, our goals are based on gross, which is all in numbers on the load board, including Landstar's percentage. Uh, what do you think about OPS for Packard MX-13? I would put an OPS on my pickup truck. I mean, hell, why not? Or a lawnmower. You could put Doesn't OPS matter. on a lawnmower, yeah. Now, what do we think about <laughs> the Packard MX-13? That's a whole different question. <laughs> uh, that might be like putting a p- lipstick on a pig. I'm not sure, but um, but yes, it, you can put an OPS on anything. All that, di- all that is is an additional filtration system. It takes the oil that, that, that it, it slowly, uh, over a period of a day, it takes 11 gallons and filters it through a much finer solids filter and then also puts it through a heated uh, chamber to, get, uh, to, to take it down to less than 5 microns and all the liquids out of it. Um, that's all it does. It puts it right back in there. That's all it does. Now, the advantage of this is that part of the OPS is taking advantage of the s- sampling program, you know, changing that OPS filter every 25,000 miles, doing a lab sample, so you know what's going on in the motor. So uh, that's, that's, you know, it's not just the filter. It's the program, which is why I said earlier, I think we might need to do another program on, on the, the, all the aspects of using the, f- the, the OPS system and all the benefits that you can get from it by using the fil- the uh, the lab and all this all sort of thing we do, um, but that's that's what it does. Um, and it will also tell you if the oil in your engine is needs to be changed or not. You know, we assume that because guess who? Somebody says you need to throw the oil away every fifteen thousand or twenty five thousand or thirty or whatever the number is. I'd like for that person to be able to sit there and tell me how they know that oil's dirty at exactly that, le- that, that interval. Right. And if it got dirty, dirty before that, I've been running dirty oil all this time. And if it got dirty after that, I just threw away good oil. The lab sample tells you that, and you don't have to guess. And if the oil's fine, 
Uh, you know that that fuel um, gauges sample he showed you a while ago with that truck with 1.5 million miles on it? That truck had four oil changes. I'll say that again. That truck with 1.5 million miles on it had four oil changes because that's when the lab sample said it should be done. And that's not really true either because it never said it needed to be done. But <coughs> um, <coughs> Somebody has something about uh, Dropbox. You explain uh, Dropbox. Well, listen, Dropbox. all Dropbox is is a cloud storage. Um, but now that... Um, you know, I started using Dropbox, and I don't know when it first came out. Probably 2011. Um, uh, but now your phone, my phone has iCloud, right? So I can open up the app, I can scan the document right into my phone, and then it's instantly on my computer, my iPad. It's in the cloud. Uh, Google Drive, the same way. If you use an Android, you can use Google Drive. We use Dropbox because it's cross-platform. Because some people have, you know, normal people have iPhones and weirdos have Androids, and we have to deal with the weirdos. Um, and so we need a cross-platform solution so that I don't have different phones. So that's – and there's probably other cloud storage services we don't even know about. There's probably 100 of them. Uh, but it's all, all it is is the ability to take a piece of paper and make a digital copy of it so you don't have to keep up with paper. That, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I'm going to let you handle this one. Last week you guys talked about per diems as a truck driver. Could you explain exactly what that means? Let's go. Well, per diem is Latin for per day. Uh, it's, it is a um, it is a re, it is a it is a <laughs> it is a portion of your income that is tax free because of the fact that you're away from your home. And currently, the government gives you sixty-nine dollars a day that that you can that you can claim per diem and not pay income tax on that, um, uh, and and avoid paying the tax on it. Now, here's the thing: as an employee, you're you're not entitled to per diem. The Trump tax law change back in 2016, I think it was, eliminated per diem for employees. So a company driver can't claim per diem. An owner, a business owner, a, a legitimate independent contractor, uh, can. Um, so and so, it, it uh, the only thing you have to do is you have to be able to prove under audit that you are away from your home. Well, as truck drivers, we have a perfect way of doing that. That's your logs. So you download your logs. Um, you look and see how many days a week that you're out of, uh, away from your home. Uh, that times sixty nine is uh, is what your deduction is. So that week. You can take that much of your income out of your uh, out of your taxable income, uh, tax the rest of it, and put the money back in at the end of the year. That is a huge for most people. It's a four, fifteen, I don't know, fifteen eighteen thousand dollar deduction tax tax deduction that you don't have to pay tax on. So that's all it is. I mean, that, that's now it gets construed all these different ways back when company drivers could draw it from fleets because they. They would give you the per diem, but they wouldn't give you all of it. You know, they would keep, they would lower your percentage, and they would do things that would keep you from getting. So he kind of got a bad rap. But uh, as a as a business person, business owner, uh, you're you're stupid not to take it. Okay, it's absolutely uh, a legitimate expense. The only thing is you have to you have to document it, and document it is just a matter of downloading your logs. You know, putting them with your tax return, 
And that way you've got it. There we get Oxford. So nothing more to than that. Uh, um, one one more thing I'll add to Dropbox. Um, we use Dropbox over Google Drive because the user interface on Dropbox is far superior. It's probably even better than iCloud. I mean, iCloud's great because, like, Larry and I are both Mac users, and so we have shared folders and stuff. Um, but uh, the I use – I have Google Drive, and I used it with these uh, guys that did some social media stuff for us. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um but if you're going to have, like, multiple trucks and do what we do, absolutely use Dropbox over anything else. Uh, Anthony was asking about, or Antonio was asking about bushings, but Rocky's... Rocky's handling that. Right, Rocky's handling that. OTR truck can typically go five to 600,000 miles out of rear spring bushings. Torque rod, four to 500,000. Front springs and bushings around 750. And replace both springs at the same, same time. So, yeah. And if you need that work done, Rocky is an MD alignment franchise in North Florida. Um, and uh, we, we, uh, we uh, highly recommend that you let Rocky do any of your suspension work and alignment on your truck. If you don't know what MD alignment is, Google it. MD align, alignment. Um, uh, we, 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 we use Rocky a lot. There's a couple of those that we like to use. Um, Jim Fowler up in the uh, Michigan area and uh, Chad Hone out in the Kansas City area. Uh, I've got experience with all three of them, and they all do an excellent job depending on where you are, where you're located. Um, but when your truck leaves there, it will drive straight, okay? And it won't be wearing tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you pull in there and your bushings are wore out, they're going to make you fix the bushings before they align it because it won't hold the alignment if the bushings are wore out. So. The Android iPhone struggle. Still can one of these days people will understand, you know. I don't know. I mean, uh, Antonio, um, just look up North Florida MD alignment, just Google it, it'll come up. Um, I used to have Rocky's name and number in here, but I don't think I have it in my bag anymore. Uh, I'm sure Rocky will put his phone number up there. Um, North Florida MD alignment, but just Google it, you'll find him. Uh, he's down in Jacksonville. He'll meet you at the homeless shelter down there. Oh, let's see. <clears throat> Anything else we're missing? Remember, starting next week, we're going to be on Friday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. 8 o'clock Friday night. Um, tell everybody you know. So, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Um Wow, we have uh, we have really, really, um, we have really, really booked up our, our truck. <laughs> we had a few trucks that were available. We're we're full. We actually we could we could actually take a truck or two. So, any of you guys out there have got uh, trucks that are sitting in the weeds that are lunatic type trucks that you'd like to have somebody manage that truck for you, put a driver in it. Um, reach out to us and get a hold of us. We've yeah, got what is that? Um, we created a spot for this on our website. I just don't remember what it is. Um, leased hyphen owner, right? Yeah, I think so. Let me look. Um, but we have uh, our 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 uh, our channel is catching on. So we, I mean, our our uh, viewership and our views has just skyrocketed uh, since we started doing the shorts, and now we're just we get a, we get a, we get a couple applications every day. You know. 
So obviously there's no way we can we can handle that volume. Uh, some of the applications wouldn't are not going to be a good fit anyway, but still I think we're going to have lots more people that want to be in the program than we're going to have trucks for. So we're, we would be actively looking to either have you bring a truck on and lease it to us and us, uh, we'll do a profit share on it. Or if it's a, a truck you want to sell that is a lunatic-type truck, uh, we may uh, consider talking to you about that too. There's so the website, blueribbonlogistics.com slash leased hyphen owner. And John and Wilson, we know about your truck. We wouldn't take getting it in 100 days. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, listen, it's uh, after 1030. Yeah. So uh, part of the reason why we're moving this to Friday night, because Monday's a big day here. Yeah. And uh, we have to get an early start. So this uh, being up to after midnight on Sunday night is kind of taking its toll. Yeah. Uh, again, Pittsburgh Power, guys, uh, if you would, please uh, contact them for anything diesel performance related. You guys are always looking for good shops. They're a great shop. Now, they stay booked up. You have to make an appointment. But a excellent coming shop, Detroit shop. Um, you, um, uh, you know, all the, uh, all the modifications for fuel mileage, they do all those. If you're having electrical problems, they got four electrical engineers on staff, okay? They can rebuild ECMs. They can change batteries in ECMs. You know, they're, they're a very, very highly technologically advanced shop. So um, give them a call. Let them know that you, where you heard about it, please. Okay, and if you need any Pittsburgh, any uh, OPS or max mileage products, uh, get a hold of us. We, we've got we got it in the inventory. We'll get it right out to you. So if you're going to be coming through the West Virginia area, Chris will meet you and hand it to you. Especially yeah. you max mileage guys, we've got some bulk max, max mileage that we can refill your jugs with, save you a little money. And uh, we can uh, we can take care of you. At just me, we'll meet you at the TA in Taze Valley and take care of you. So, yep. all right, guys, we good to go? Yep, we're good. We'll see uh, everybody Friday night, eight o'clock. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the the, the podcast, guys. Appreciate you.